0: This afternoon, we begin with the explanation of the Apostles' Creed, Lord's Day 9. Lord's Day 9, and we confess there as follows. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, And who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and will also turn to my good. Whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow, he is able to do so as almighty God and willing also as a faithful father, so far our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, and boys and girls who belong to him, in Lord's Day 9, then we confess the almighty creator as our father in Christ. And it says there, in him we trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. Trust. That's our confession, and we say that with our mouths, just to have no doubt but to trust, but that confession sometimes clashes with what is in our hearts and minds, doesn't it? It can do that. Can God our Father in Christ really truly be trusted that's a question we sometimes end up asking ourselves. We, the answer to that question is of huge importance. Can I trust in God if I end up with this kind of a difficulty in my life? Can I really trust him if things happen which I can't logically figure out in my mind why this is happening to me? You see, what we confess in Lord's Day 9 is not just a theoretical and theological issue, but one that reaches into our everyday life What if you or someone you love ends up being diagnosed with stage 4 cancer? Can you really trust God as your loving Father in Christ then who works all things for your good? Or what if you or someone close to you has been sexually abused as a child? God the Father promised at our baptism to take care of us. Where was he then? And we need to think honestly about that trusting in God which we confess here in Lord's Day 9. And we have to examine that question from two points of view then, from the human point of view and the divine point of view, for either the problem is with people or the problem is with God. So our theme for this afternoon is that question, can God be trusted? And we consider two points of view then, that the issue is with man or the issue is with God. We begin by considering whether the problem is with people. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, sometimes people who say they're Christians end up expressing deep disappointment with God. Or they don't express it, but they're at least thinking it. Disappointment with God. They feel as if God has let them down here. I looked to you, Lord, and this is what happened. The thing is, though, they're not really, they're actually not really disappointed in God. They're disappointed in the image of Him which they have formed in their own minds. Because who is actually fully able to understand God? He's much, much greater than we are. Isaiah 55, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so God's ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts than our thoughts. He's incomprehensible. God the Father's ways and thoughts are of a higher dimension than ours. And that's that's also why many of our everyday expectations of God don't match God's ways and thoughts then. And that brings me to the question, can we only trust God if he does what we want or what we expect or what we reason would be good for us? In the Bible, we see how John the Baptist wrestled with an issue like that, too. He heard from his disciples Jesus was going around preaching the kingdom of God and healing sick and disabled people. But John wondered why Jesus wasn't showing himself to be the king getting on with judgment, getting on with an army to bring about the kingdom of God. Preaching here and there and healing some people didn't seem to be a very effective way to become king and to promote the kingdom of God in this world. And John himself was in prison. Wouldn't Jesus, if he was a long-awaited king, wouldn't he free his servant from jail? Wouldn't he gather his people together and establish the kingdom of God in a mighty way. So John wondered, and he sent a couple of his disciples to Jesus with the question, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? John doubted whether Jesus was the one sent by God, because he he didn't match John's expectations of how God would send his king and establish his kingdom. That's what happens with us too, right? can happen with us. We often mistrust God the Father like that. When we're dealing with trouble, we pray with a certain amount of doubt whether our Father in heaven really hears us, as if he can't fully be trusted. And that's understandable, because if you've prayed often and intensely, for instance, for improvement of health, and you don't get any better, you conclude he's not really listening, he's not really trustworthy. You were disappointed before, and as they say, once bitten, twice shy. And what if you never felt completely safe with your biological father? You'd also have a hard time later trusting your heavenly father, right? The fear you experienced as child would hamper you from putting all your trust in your heavenly father. And then, you're, then too, you're afraid of being disappointed in him as father. And that leads to something else that comes from a human point of view, from not being able to fully understand God's ways. The fact that we, don't log- we can't logically reason out what God is doing in our life or someone else's life or in the church or in the world in general can also make us unsure of Him. What is He up to here? Why doesn't He stop this war in Syria? Why does He let me or someone I love suffer? There just seems to be no reason, no logical reason for this. But you see, the problem is that it lies in us, our wanting to actually control God. We'd rather have a Father in Heaven who we can completely figure out than one who is highly exalted above us and does what He knows best from His point of view. We'd rather have a Father who only helps us out when we decide we want help and then we'd like Him to stay away with His holiness if we're cherishing a sin and we don't want to give it up. See, we tend not to like him if we can't manipulate him with our prayers. We'd like it better if we could exercise some control over God, over what he does and when he does that and how he does that. And congregation, sadly, we're inclined to use his word like that too. We take out of the Bible what fits our purposes in certain situations, but... Do we really accept the whole Bible as from God, God's word to us? See, congregation, the the, God, the father created everything out of nothing in the beginning. In six days, everything that exists was there and there was nothing before except God himself. So he doesn't need to answer to anybody. And so we need to allow him the right to govern everything here for his glory as he pleases and as he knows best. As he sees right and good. After all, he is is also, we can confess, a God who is full of love and truth and holiness. And we, we know that because we see the full image of him in his son Jesus Christ. So who are we to question him then? to demand our rights from him. But that's just what we're inclined to do when we face stress or difficulties in life. Then we easily start feeling sorry for ourselves. And then we ask, why does this have to happen to me, Lord? Why do I have to lose my job just when I'm in a financial bind? Why do I need to deal with this sickness now? Why has that happened to my child? Does God actually love me then? Or is he ignoring me? And you see, then with those kind of things, the problem is with us. We need to look at things differently. We should ask ourselves instead, why not me? Am I better than others? Are difficulties and suffering only for other people out there, but not for me? As someone wrote somewhere, we need to learn not to look at God's love through the lens of our circumstances, but look at our circumstances through the lens of God's love. God, our Father, is totally with and for His children in Christ. The whole Bible wants to tell us that. And He's so more than earthly fathers can be with and for their children. God is involved even in the smallest details of our lives, as He says. The Lord Jesus once told His disciples, A hair can't fall from your head without the will of your Father in heaven. And remember that beautiful passage we read from the Old Testament in Isaiah 40. If God keeps all those billions of stars in the heavens, in their exact places... And he calls them all by name. We haven't even named a a few of them. But he calls them all by name. And he doesn't forget a single one of them. Because of his might and power. Is he going to forget any of his children. In Jesus Christ. See then, then. The problem is with us. And how we are approaching him. How we see him. And. The devil is out to make a caricature of our Father in heaven in our minds and hearts. He wants him to be seen as an inconsistent, unreliable God who can't be counted on, can't be trusted. And sometimes it can seem to his children, looking at how things unfold in in this world and in the circumstances of their lives, it certainly can sometimes appear. As if that is how God is. But if we look at him through the lens of his word, the way he has revealed himself to us, then we have to confess he's the most trustworthy being in all creation. And if God wasn't trustworthy in one single thing, this whole creation would cave in and not exist anymore. And he shows himself throughout his word to be full of grace and truth. Totally reliable. And if you believe that word, if you look at him through that lens of that word, you see and accept that more and more in your circumstances too. Then you'll realize we're just looking at a very small picture and God sees the whole picture. Think again of that passage we read from Isaiah 40. Notice that God is the one asking his people questions here because we often ask God questions, right? But in his word, people ask, God asks people questions. To whom do you compare me, he says. Whom will you compare me to? Who created the stars, these planets and galaxies and everything out there? Why do you say that I don't pay attention to you, that I disregard your right? Don't you know who I am? See, it comes down to this. People's distrust of God, our Father, is because they don't really know and accept who He is. Our only humble hearts which seek to learn who God is from His Word will also come to know and accept who He is and trust in Him. Because they have no right, they realize they have no right to question Him. To distrust him. Who are we that we should accuse God of being unjust? Or not treating us rightly? Who are we to question those things in him? That's what Job had to arrive at too eventually. In all his suffering. He complained. Where is my right God? Why are you not fair in your dealings with me? And then God asked him some questions. Where were you when I created the world and everything in it? The creatures. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I formed the creatures of the deep? And then Job put his hand to his mouth and he realized he had no right to call God to account. But God had every right to call him to account. We come to the second part of the sermon because in the first we see that the issue is us. The second part, we consider whether the problem of God's trustworthiness might also be with God. God our Father in Christ. And we have to say right away, God's trustworthiness can't be deducted from his keeping us from all troubles and problems. I'm afraid that's how we often reason, right? If everything is going fine in our lives, we can say, or we can think, God must really love me. He's on my side. But if things don't go well for us, then we question his love. We wonder if he's really trustworthy. Isaiah reminds Israel in Isaiah 40, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. In other words, in other words, he has a purpose for everything. In fact, he has a plan for our lives, for each one of us. The Apostle Paul writes about that in Romans 8. He writes Romans 8 28 to 29. He says, And we know that all things work together. For good for those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So you see there, God's purpose with our lives and everything that He does and allows in our lives is to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He works purposefully. And that's an awesome purpose for our lives, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you read in the Bible how Jesus lived and walked and now lives with his Father in glory. Well, God the Father, through him, works in everything that happens in our lives to conform us to the image of that son, His Son. What a glorious goal for your life. We're created and formed in this life, in everything by God, to share in Christ's holiness and to live with Him in His glory as His children forever. That's why things happen the way they do. That's why, as it says in that passage too, that he makes everything work together for the good of those who love him. Everything in our lives has to do and contribute to making progress toward that goal which God has with us, namely, conformity to his son Jesus Christ, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And God knows exactly how to achieve that goal with each one of us. He knows exactly what each one of us can handle. He gives us what we need to handle that in faith then. even temptations. He won't, he will allow us certain temptations but not temptations beyond what we can bear. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, our Heavenly Father is too wise to make mistakes in what he gives us, us to deal with then too. He's too wise for that. As Isaiah says, his understanding is unsearchable. It's unlimited. And God is too loving to be hateful with us. He is love to his children in Christ. And he's too almighty to allow something to happen that won't be good for us. Won't form us into Christ's image. In other words, he knows what's best for us. Every circumstance we face is in His hands. He is the Lord of the history of your life and my life. He controls the circumstances of our lives so completely that everything has to serve His purpose. Everything has to contribute to our being formed more and more in Christ's image so that we glorify Him as His Son glorifies Him. He is the potter. We are the clay. And He forms us as vessels for his use, his glory. And remember, nobody can stop his plan. He says, I work, and who can hinder or stop me from achieving my purpose? His way is perfect. Everything, everything, everything under his control. We react to circumstances. Something happens, we react. Our Father in heaven doesn't react to circumstances. He brings about those circumstances in our lives. In the lives of His elect, so that they're molded into the image of His Son. He's loving, almighty, wise, totally trustworthy, and all those qualities of God together ensure that He will certainly fulfill His purpose for us. And in His perfect love, He always seeks our good then. In His perfect wisdom, He also always knows what's good for us. In His almighty power, He is able to bring about the good for us. Totally trustworthy. So we never, ever, ever have to be afraid that there's a circumstance in which God is not working for the good of His elect. Never. We can live in the assurance that whatever happens to us, God is molding us as the potter molds his clay. And to know that, to to have that assurance, to live in that assurance, to struggle to hold on to that assurance, congregation, that brings us to say what the psalmist in Psalm 56, which we sang earlier, in God I trust, to him I praise, I render, I will not fear, I trust his mercys tender. And then you might still think, well, what if things happen to me which logically don't seem to work out for my good at all? I can't see what what good this could ever be for me. Well, also when things happen which we figure in our own minds aren't good for, for us, we can trust that our Heavenly Father knows exactly what He's doing. There's a whole invisible spiritual world around us here, and we don't know how the devil and the angel and other powers all work to affect this visible world. But one thing we know very clearly From the word of God, nothing ever gets out of control with God. Nothing slips from his hands. He doesn't nod off sometime and forget. He has everything in hand, even the devil and his whole dominion. In fact, he even uses the devil and his dominion to work out his purpose for his children. He allows them to go so far with us as he decides is necessary for us to grow spiritually through that. And so then even the devil ends up working for our good. If we can get our minds around that, God uses the devil to work for our good too. And see, that's why it's also important for us not to listen to our feelings about God when we end up with difficulties, and instead we choose to trust God and serve Him in everything. So many people end up feeling sorry for themselves, as I mentioned, when they end up with problems, and then they react by following their feelings instead of trusting and following God and trusting themselves to God. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, choose not to feel sorry for yourself then, but choose to trust God. Don't fight with him in your troubles. But seek him instead. You need him. He's not going to be your enemy. He's your covenant father in Christ. And we have good reason to walk with him in trust, don't we? The Apostle Paul says, Romans eight thirty two, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely Also, give us all things. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the ultimate place where God showed us his love and care and keeping is on Golgotha. While we were still enemies of God, he sent his son into our life here, into the atmosphere of the earth here, to offer himself On the cross for us. And if he did that for us. Will he not take care. Of us now. Like when you pay a lot of money for something. You're you're watchful over it. You take good care of it. How much more will God the Father not watch over us. Whom he bought with the blood of his own son. That precious blood. Will he not make sure that everything. His children meet in this life. Serves to bring them into his glory and joy? How could we mistrust him? Is there any reason to mistrust him? Is there any doubt, a reason for doubt? And that brings me to one more thing. It could be that you now think, well, trusting our Father in Christ means that you just need to passively accept everything that comes your way. As a Muslim, Allah wills it. But God is not Allah. He's a father. And father is a relationship word. He is your father in Christ. And that's not how he wants us to trust him at all. God wills it as if it's some impersonal being. No, God sent his son for you and me. And he certainly works all things for our good then. The thing is, God's purpose in everything is that we learn to live with him and for him in the high points of our life as well as in the low points of our life. We learn that. He wants us to learn to love and trust him as his children, because that's also a relationship word, children. He wants us to learn to love and trust him, not because of what he does for us, Not because he gives us health or recovery or all those things. But just because he is our father in Christ. That's why. And that means loving him, following his way in all circumstances that he allows in our lives. Even if that means taking the hard road. And that's how we become more and more formed in the image of our Savior. See, congregation, even if we don't understand the how and the why of our circumstances, is important. We do understand that our reaction to our circumstances is much more important than those circumstances themselves. A lot of people get worked up about their circumstances. How did this come about? Why is God letting this happen to me? But what's more important is than all of those questions is how am I going to deal with this problem, this issue in my life? How am I going to deal with this circumstance? If you deal with that in trust in your Father, in Christ, in humble obedience to Him, then you'll experience what Isaiah says toward the end of that passage. Isaiah 40, verse 31. He says there, but those who wait on the Lord, in other words, who trust Him no matter what happens, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. In other words, they get stronger and stronger through everything. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, too. Then that question we asked at the beginning can God be trusted? That won't, won't be an issue for you, would it? You'll experience always and everywhere then that he is your faithful and loving Father in Christ. And you grow in that. Amen.